Today I'm actually in the hills behind my house. I surfed one of my favorite spots this morning called uh, Shark Tooth. It rarely breaks. Little longboard spot over in Doheny caught a lot of waves thanks to a big south swell that hit town. Really glad you can be with us today. Uh, we're in going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. Thanks for joining along today. I believe this is our 169th episode of Bible on the Beach. We're just on a journey going through the Bible trying to figure out each day something that God can say to us to encourage us to build us up in our lives that's why his word is here and so in that spirit let's open up our our hearts to what God wants to say to us today now it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and his fullness fills you even though you were once like corpses dead in your sins and offenses uh, it wasn't long ago that you lived in the religion customs and values of this world so there's a lot going on here and Paul immediately points out that we were dead uh, in our spirits uh, prior to us coming into union with Jesus, coming into relationship with Jesus. And so now that we have relationship with Jesus, we have new life, we have a new spirit, we have a new perspective, and we're to thank God for that every day. And he says it wasn't long ago that we lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world. So what Paul's saying here is that we have a culture uh, that we all live in. And so my culture, for example, is in California, and I've grown up around the ocean and, and grown up around surfing. And so that's, that's really part of my culture. It's what I know. We all have a culture. Uh, to, to deny it is to deny you know living in reality. So one of the things we need to do in our life is we need to identify our customs, our beliefs, and our attitudes about things. And, and get comfortable with them so that God can begin to use them uh, and, and flow by the power of the Holy Spirit into our life. Now, Paul is saying that we, that we were obeying the dark ruler of this earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. Now, what Paul is saying here is that prior to coming into a relationship with Jesus, that we were actually under the influence of, and the perspective of the evil one. And so Jesus gives us new eyes to see, new ears to hear, new heart to feel and be led by the power and by the Spirit of God uh, in our life. And from that, all things uh, become new. We're no longer slaves to anything except the power of the Holy Spirit uh, working in us and through us in our lives. Now he says... The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of the self-life. So the call to follow Jesus is the call to be unselfish. Now, for some of us, uh, we're unselfish more easily than others are unselfish. But regardless of what comes easy to you or what comes hard to you, God calls us increasingly into a life of others-centered living, a life of unselfishness, uh, a life of <clears throat> having our life being poured out as a blessing uh, and uh, to other people and to help them uh, be blessed in their life. He says, before we live by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our mind dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. So we all have selfish inclinations that God wants to free us from. In fact, every day we just want to say, God, align my desires 
up with your desires. And as God does that, uh, you'll really feel him working and flowing in and through your life. And so what it means to follow Jesus is we lay aside our natural cravings and we sow into unselfish cravings, into spiritual cravings, into godly desires, into godly intentions, into godly attitudes, into a godly mission and purpose for why we are here on earth. He says, but God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. So God looks at us through his son Jesus and God looks at us through uh, the lens of Jesus having paid for all of our sins. And God says, you know what? I'm gonna do for you what you can't do for yourself. I'm gonna help you out even though you're not able to help yourself. That's why he sent Jesus to make us right, to give us a right relationship with God, to give us a perfect relationship with God so we don't have to strive in, in our life, but that we can accept God's grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We don't deserve the life we have. We don't deserve the blessings that we have, but God gives them to us and then he watches to see what we're gonna do with them. You know, every blessing that we have in our life, whether it's your income or your education or where you live or your influence or your culture, God looks to see how you're gonna use it. Are you gonna spend it on yourself? Are you gonna spend it trying to help others? God keeps perfect score. You know, there's only one judge in the universe and it's not you and I, it's J-E-S-U-S. -S. And so he's watching very closely to see how we're using our life. Are we using it for ourselves or are we using it for others? Are we using it to bless others? And the quality of our life is, is totally correlated to the amount of blessing that God is able to pour into our life to bless the other people that are around us. That's a godly perspective about life. He says in verse six, he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. We ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. So Jesus makes us right with him. He gives us a relationship with him. Verse seven, throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. So God's, we are all trophies of grace. God looks down from heaven. He says, look at my kid there. Look at that bright, shiny trophy of God's grace. That's what you and I are. We're bright, shiny trophies of God's goodness of God's grace, of God's plan, of God's mercy here on earth. So let's make sure that we have a perspective that we're a trophy of grace. We're not self-made, we're God-made. We're not um, self-entitled, we're Christ-entitled. So he says here, verse eight, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Nothing you did could ever earn the salvation, for it was the love gift from God that brought us all to Christ. So our salvation is totally by grace. It's a gift through faith. Have you ever put your trust in Jesus? What it means to accept Jesus into your life is that you put your trust in him. You say, God, I trust you for my life. Not my plan, your plan. I follow you. I lay down my will for your will. I lay down my path for your path. I lay down what I want for what you want. I'm following you. I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm asking to follow you. In fact, I'm stating that 
I want to follow you. That's it. That's what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Christ. Not God following you, but you following Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Christ. So it says in verse 9, So no one will ever be able to boast. Our salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. So we can never do enough in our life to be right with God. It is totally a gift. It is totally um, something that he gives to us. So why do we try to do good with our life? We try to do good with our life out of, a, out of a, like a thank you to God. Thank you that you gave me all this. God, thank you that I get to live here. Thank you that I get to teach the Bible. Thank you that I get to have my family. Thank you that I get to have my friends. Lord, please help me. I know I pray this. Lord, please help me pastor people the best that I can. Please help me to preach your word the best that I can. Please help me to plant churches the best that I can. Please help me to provide water the best that I can. That's what God's called me to do with my life. Pastor people, preach the word, plant churches, provide water. So I stay focused on that. I get up every day at the same time, 3.30 a.m., six days a week. On Sundays, I don't. That's my day to Sabbath. No plans, no schedule, rest, eat whatever I want, be with my family, enjoy life. God commands that. But it's all focused back to what God's asked me to do. The rest of my life isn't me trying to earn my righteousness with Jesus. It's me trying to take everything that God's given me and be the best steward that I can to bless as many people as possible. In verse 10, he says, for we've become God's poetry. Think of your life as a poem. You know, God wants people to look at your life and say, that is really amazing what God is doing in and through that person. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he's given for each of us. Did you know that God recreates us? He literally makes something totally new out of our life. For we're joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. You know, God has amazing things in store for us, things we can't even fathom, we can't even imagine, and we just have to trust him that he knows what he's doing better than we do. That's the invitation to follow Jesus. It's a trust game. God, I trust you, even though I don't understand what's going on right now. So in that spirit, I hope you're blessed today. Thanks for joining me. Have a beautiful day. If you think this will help someone, text them, reach out to them, email them, whatever. We're across all the different platforms. I just hope you're blessed. Until next time, Bible on the Beach. Hope you have a beautiful day.